people dg i'm back again deluded you choosing golo kante but we're back again for another edition of the podcast folks let me just make sure everybody can hear me i've been missing for a while it's been the start of 2020 this is obviously the first podcast and hopefully it's a good year people for myself for you lot for whatever goals you want to achieve in your personal and private life definitely for arsenal um, the support you guys have given me since I first started out on YouTube, since I've been doing YouTube and obviously the podcast thing now and everything else, you lot's support is ridiculous. Like, I can't put into words. It shocks me. You lot listen to me in a diverse set of countries. You lot really go heavy, man. So I want to thank the DG Nation. And I'm not going to lie, there isn't much to speak about. That's why I've kind of delayed this because I don't want to force it. But first and foremost, we might as well... Well, you know what? Before we get into the preview of of this season, this week's Premier League games, we might as well go not go through, but it's been a it's been a while since we've spoken. United fans, don't think I forgot you. You know what happened when you came, Emirates Wambasaka. I don't want to hear. I don't want to see you next to Pepe and Maitland Niles again. You know what happens. You know what happens when you come to the Emirates. Um, obviously we went past Leeds in the in the FA Cup as well. Saw Man United lose three three one. I was about to say three no, but three one to Manchester City. Villa versus Leicester in the semi-finals of the Katyara Bell Cup. There's been some interesting games in the Premier League over the festive period and recently in the cup games and whatnot. It has been a funny one. <clears throat> but we might as well preview the Premier League action. First and foremost, we might as well talk about 17th Aston Villa up against, backs against the wall, third, playing third Manchester City. So it's Villa versus Manchester City. Villa's at home. Villa have lost nine of their last 11 meetings with Manchester City. The last time they won was in 2013, people. Um, Manchester City, going off that, have kept a clean sheet in eight of their last 10 meetings with Villa, including in each of the last three. Um, so it is, it is, it's somewhat backs against the wall. You know Manchester City, they're probably just focus on on, the cha- on qualifying for the Champions League, finishing as high as they can and doing what they can domestically, I mean, internationally in the in the Champions League because the league's gone, man. It's Liverpool's to lose and it will take Liverpool. Liverpool have been consistent. They're going to remain consistent. As an Arsenal fan, I just hope they don't go unbeaten because that's the ice on the top of the cake. But it seems like Liverpool would need a lot to, 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 to somehow relinquish this position. And I feel this is the year finally Liverpool fans get their Premier League trophy. Some have been waiting a very long time. Liverpool would, in my opinion, have to try way harder not to win the Premier League, um, to be fair with you. All City can do is win their games and see as far as that can take them. It's gone, in my opinion. I'm sure Pep Guardiola and his coaching team and the hierarchy at Man City have their own inquest as to why this has not been a season to remember and retaining it for a third year in a row, forgive me if I'm wrong, eludes them or will elude them this year. Um, and maybe a big part of that is Manchester City have conceded 14 goals in their last 10 away league games this season, which is three more they did in 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 the, at this time last season in 19 games they've conceded three plus goals in three different away league games this season as many as they had in their first three seasons under Pep Guardiola combined people so defensive frailties whether it's injuries lack of recruitment defending or being able to keep clean sheets and defend is a reason as to why City are not putting up more of a fight against Liverpool for the title people um which is quite is is quite crazy um 
Aston Villa, which won't give Aston Villa fans more hope, is Villa have only won three of their last 49 Premier League matches against the reigning champions, drawing 14, losing 23, losing each of their last 11 in a row. So again, it doesn't make for much positivity for Everton, for Everton, for Aston Villa fans. Sorry. Um. So we'll see what we'll see what happens, people. Obviously, Sergio Aguero seems to be over his injury issues and he has scored six goals in his last four Premier League starts against Aston Villa. Added to that, since the start of the 2011-12 season, no player has more Premier League goals against newly promoted teams than Sergio Aguero, which is at 31. Sorry, The Argentinian at this moment in time has 174 goals in total in the competition, which places him one behind Thierry Henry, who is obviously the top goal-scoring non-Englishman. Show us his assists, because Sergio Aguero's been a hallmark in the Premier League and is one of the best strikers who ever played in the Premier League. Probably even has a case to even say he's top two. And I'm not, I mean, no disrespect, but no one comes close to Thierry Henry, regardless of this stat. And it's a fantastic achievement from Sergio, but there's levels. I'm always going to say that as an Arsenal fan, and I've got no shame in admitting that, people. You can hear the rustling because I'm trying to flip the page and let's move forward. You've got 18th Bournemouth against 20th. Watford, games like this, people, as you lot know, very much double pointers. Both teams, real prospect of relegation. Bournemouth have done well in the Premier League relatively since promotion. This is probably the one year where there's serious question marks. And I'm sure Eddie Howe is thinking, I've took them through the divisions. I've built the team. I've done this. Can I go any further? Can I take them any further? Can am I? Are these players reacting to my training drills? Am I the right person for this? And these are all legitimate questions that everybody connected with Bournemouth would ask themselves. Even the players. You hear Ake linked with City, Chelsea and ironically Arsenal as well. Um, Bournemouth sit 18th. Bournemouth welcome Watford who are 20th. Watford have had a terrible season to put it nicely. They've got rid of managers, brought new managers in and it's still been woeful. Nigel Pearson's at least got them fighting a bit more, playing with a bit more heart, a bit more desire, wanting it a bit more. But it's still a crazy one, people. Statistically, seven of the last Premier League, seven of the last nine Premier League meetings between Bournemouth and Watford have finished level. The highest ratio of any fixture to be played more than twice in the competition. Watford have played more Premier League away games without defeat against Bournemouth than they have against any other side. So that should give rock bottom Watford some confidence travelling to Bournemouth's ground, who we've actually got to go to in the FA Cup on a Monday at 8pm. I mean, the television people are taking the pee a bit, um, really and truly, and forgetting people got jobs and whatnot. Imagine Arsenal fans, imagine the honest, hard-working Arsenal fan that wants to go to that game with their kids. They can't, really, because it's not going to make sense. You're going to go up to Bournemouth Seaside Town from London, assuming you're from here, and how are you? What time are you getting back? Bearing in mind, kids got school the next day. And again, it's an 8 p.m. kickoff. Why couldn't this be played on the Sunday? Why couldn't this be done on the Saturday? This is the, the TV. The t something needs to be done about TV rights because it's taking the P out of fan, man. We pay a whole heap of money, um, more money than we have in our roles. And now you want to put our roles on the line by having dumb, dumb times of, of games. But moving forward, and I was going off topic there, people. Apologies. <clears throat> like I said, Watford have obviously played this, played more away games to to Bournemouth and and failed to taste defeat more so than any other this, other side. Bournemouth have lost seventy five percent of their Premier League games played on a Sunday, people, which is the highest loss ratio of any team in a single day of the week in the competition. Added to that, Watford's five hundredth top flight game. This this will be sorry, Watford's five hundredth top flight game. 
um, which would make them the 43rd team to reach this people. Um, and I'm sure they would like to crown that milestone with a victory. Um, for the first time since December 30th, 2017, Bournemouth will start this game in the relegation zone, people. When that last happened, they beat Everton 2-1 at home, so make of that what you will. Since beating Manchester United on November the 2nd, Bournemouth have collected fewer points than any other Premier League team, taking just four points from 10 matches, which equals winning one, drawing one and losing eight people, which is scary. A mini revitalisation under Nigel Pearson, because Watford have won 10 points from five Premier League matches under Nigel Pearson, which is winning three, drawing one and losing one. Only Manchester City and Liverpool have won more points in the Premier League since he was appointed as their boss, people, which both of them is at 12 apiece. Um, so, like I said, mini revitalization. They'll have some confidence. And this game, for me, goes either way, people. A betting man, I wouldn't bet on either team to win. I'd, I know, I think it's said it's, it's, it's finished level. I'll do both teams to score. I think both teams because of where they are in the league position, leaky defence. I do think Bournemouth, I, I don't know, man. I think either team could win it. Bournemouth's the home team, potentially home advantage. But I actually, do you know, I'm starting to back Watford for it. Um, I definitely have had to place a bet both teams to score people. Moving forward, in the Premier League this season, Bournemouth have attempted the fewest shots in open play, which is 128, and are the only team to have not reached double figures for open play goals. Now, that's a bit harsh because they're on nine. So the next one that they score via those means will take them into double figures, people. Moving away from that, um, Watford have received a, a red card in their last two Premier League games. The last team to receive a red card in three games in a row was actually Watford back in 2017, December of that year. Um, so we'll see how that one goes. That should be an interesting game for the, for the, for the neutrals and whatnot. I'm going to save that game till last. I think you lot are smart enough to know the game I'm alluding to, as the deluded Gunnar. But 8th place Sheffield United travelled to 16th place. I mean, welcome, sorry, 16th place West Ham United. Now, West Ham have reappointed David Moyes, Pellegrini, like many managers this season. Uno Emre, Pellegrini, uh, who else is there, people? Um, the, the Garcia, uh, Flores, um there's been a couple men that have lost their job. I'm missing people out, but a couple men have lost their job already in the Premier League this season. As you lot already know, people, it's tough out there. If you're not getting the results, you're not. It's it's a fickle old game, football. But Sheffield United have been... Obviously, it hasn't been an amazing season, but it's been a better season than many people expected. And they look firm on to remain in this division. And they've earned a lot of admirers, myself included. Above all, because of the passion and tenacity that they play with, home and away people. So shout to Chris Wilder and his men. But statistically, Sheffield have won both of their Premier League home games against West Ham in 07 and 1994. Can they do it in 2020? West Ham are winless in their last eight top flight away games against Sheffield United. Added to that, West Ham have just won, won one of their last 10 Premier League games in Yorkshire, losing six during three. They last won there, winning 4-1 against Huddersfield in January 2018. Meanwhile, London sides have lost their last seven Premier League games at Bramall Lane against Sheffield United. Sadly, Arsenal fell victims to that. Um, Sheffield have only lost three consecutive league games under Chris Wilder once, um, which was in the Championship in 2017. Sheffield United are the only Premier League side yet to give a single minute to players aged 21 or under this season, with their youngest player, the goalkeeper Dean Henderson, on loan from United at 22. 
Um, Mark Noble can, event, can 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 potentially put himself in West Ham history books more than he already is. Um, his two goals against Bournemouth took him to 45 Premier League goals, which puts him just two behind the Hammers' record score in the competition with 47, Paolo Di Canio. So Mark Noble, before his West Ham days are over, has a great prospect of becoming the club's outright top goal scorer in the league, which would be a fantastic achievement to Mr West Ham. Whatever you say about him, there's few players... I, I would say in world football that really embody what a team is about more than Mark Noble because if he wasn't a player, you get the vibe that he'd be in the stands. He's a real East Ender. I know he's technically been in Arsenal's academy, but you get that with him, man. And I, I would like that as a West Ham fan because he's someone that obviously he's not working class anymore because he's earned a lot of money, but he's working class in that. For me, Mark Noble seems like someone that don't forget his roots and forget who he is. So I'm going off topic, but that's one thing I like about them. So we'll see what happens in this game. Maybe Robert Snodgrass will have something to say, people. Um, because he, against Bournemouth, he became the 12th Scotsman to reach um, double figures for assists in the Premier League, people. Um, he read, he's actually registered 20 Premier League assists with his 20th coming against West Ham in all comps, not this season. I mean, that's Mesut Ozil, Kevin De Bruyne, the sort of fixtures, people. It's not grass, ain't that good attackingly. Um, moving forward, fourth place, Chelsea welcome 15th place, Burnley to their place. Now, Burnley, similar to what I was saying under Eddie Howe, potentially their toughest season since they've been in the Premier League again under Sean Dyche need to re need to evolve need to rebuild the team all the same things I said against Bournemouth and they're traveling to Chelsea now Chelsea have been dropping silly points in recent weeks people but you never know they haven't lost three consecutive Premier League home games Chelsea since November 1993 under Glenn Hoddle um <clears throat> So who knows what is going to happen. Chelsea are also looking to complete the league double over Burnley, which would be the first time since 09-010. Burnley have won just one of their last 11 Premier League meetings with Chelsea, um, which isn't confident. But if you were to read between the lines, what could potentially give you as a Burnley fan some confidence is that five of the six points that, that they've acclaimed have actually come at Stamford Bridge, losing two, drawing two and winning one. Um, Burnley sadly though are currently on a run of three consecutive Premier League defeats the ninth time since the start of last season that they've endured such a run um, which is quite crazy people Burnley have collected just one point in the Premier League this season against teams in the top half of the division losing nine, winning none and drawing one which um, that point via drawing came, against, came in August against Wolves. So we'll have to see what happens in that regards, people. Um, I back Chelsea to get the victory, to be fair with you, and get back to winning ways. Chelsea, I'm sure many Chelsea fans, if you hindsight's a wonderful thing. And obviously with expectation, you shouldn't be happy. But if you offered them where they are now in August, I'm sure many fans would have bitten your arm off. And I think Chelsea were making ground in regards to the top four race and, and running away with it for a bit, but they seem to be making it harder for themselves now um, for whatever reason because of dropping points. But we'll have to see what they're on. Moving to Everton versus Brighton now. 11th place, Everton versus 14th, Brighton. Carlo Ancelotti, I mean, he can start his Everton career again because, I mean, they had Manchester City away from home in the last game. Forgive me if I'm wrong, and that's going to be tough for anybody. In fact, was it? No, it weren't. They played someone before that, and Walcott played. Walcott was being scapegoated. I remember. But either way, they've got Brighton. Um, the home tie has never lost in the has never lost in five Premier League meetings between the two sides, with 
obviously the Toffees winning both games at, at Goodison Park. So they've, yeah, people. Brighton have never won away against Everton in any competition. Everton have kept nine clean sheets in their last 15 home Premier League games. Brighton have lost five of their last seven Premier League away games since the start of the 2017-18 season. Since Carlo Ancelotti's first game in charge on Boxing Day, Everton have had more shots than any other team in the league, which is at 50. Everton have won none of their last 34 Premier League games when conceding first, however. Um, so we'll have to see that, people. This is actually the first time Carlo Ancelotti will face the team, will face Brighton in the competition, people. And he has actually beaten 21 of the 22 teams he has faced in the competition. With actually, ironically, his his only his current side Everton, the only team he's failed to beat, and obviously he's the manager now, so it's not like he can do anything about that. But second, moving on, second placed. Leicester City against 12th place Southampton. The last time this fixture happened, I'm sure you remember what Leicester did at St. Mary's to um, Southampton. History, 9-0. The feelings that must have come, the ecstasy that must have come with winning that game and the fe- I, God knows how that dressing room felt and how demoralised, how battered, how bruised losing 9-0 is. I, I bet you some of them professional footballers went home and cried because what could you, like 9-0 people. Some of them names there are engraved in history now. Some are, Well, I'm 24, so in like 20 years or so, or whatever, when my kids are growing up and they're watching Premier League years, they're going to see some of these players embarrassed. And it's good for Vardy, because Vardy's a Premier League legend. It's going to look good for him and them other players there that are involved, and even Brendan Rodgers, but Southampton, lads, boy. Now, I think you've got to give credit to, I forgot his name, Hassan Hotu of Southampton, because I think, barring them sort of else, he's done well to kind of claw back stuff for uh, for Southampton because it did look like they were going down and getting relegated at a point people I'm not going to lie to you like it really did in my opinion but um yeah with obviously that 9-0 I'm alluding to that's the biggest away win in English top flight history people um which is crazy and Leicester will be hoping to do the double in claiming back-to-back victories against Southampton this season um the lot because the last time they did it was 1999 to 2000 um, ironically though this fixture last season though Southampton won this exact fixture 1-0 they've never won back-to-back away games against Leicester before either um, in general um, the most goals a team has scored against an opponent in a single Premier League season is 12 which was Blackburn against Nottingham Forest in 95-96 and Tottenham against Wigan in 09-010 don't know why Opta's including that it's a bit irrelevant since losing 9-0 to Leicester though, Southampton have conceded just ele- just 13 Premier League goals in 11 games, which is decent people. Only Leicester and Liverpool, which statistically have the best defences in the league, have done better than them. So losing 9-0 was a turning point and they've tightened up their trousers a bit more and I'm sure they want revenge. They're not going to go and get win 10-0 because Leicester beat them 9-0. It's not Sunday league, but I'm sure revenge is firmly on the menu from a... Um, a Southampton point of view people and rightly so because you need to get back to winning ways like there's no there's really no way around it moving on from that you've got Norwich against Manchester United fifth place Manchester United welcome Norwich um oh Norwich are 20th forgive me the league's moving but I think I made a mistake against Watford but Norwich against Man United, two teams that need to really get a victory pressure on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's back of course as a United as an Arsenal fan watching United 
I want Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to stay. I think he's the man for the job. I think he should be given all the time in the world. But United need to get to winning ways. I do think if 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 Ole Gunnar Solskjaer loses against Norwich, I think he's gone. In my opinion, um, really, because it is something would have to give, and it doesn't look like it's going to come anywhere from United. I mean, you, I know they've had injuries, but for the man in possession, they're not United players. They don't look to play forward consistently beyond the counter attack. When the counter attacks on, there's not really any ideas. Against Manchester City, I saw people battered and bruised. Like people say, Jan Bissaka is very switched on defensively. Go and look at the goals. He's walking back for one of them. You've got midfielders showing people inside. You've had Ashley Young rejecting contracts because he wants to go into Milan. Um, it's, it's, it's complete circus at Man United. You're hearing Sir Alex Ferguson didn't speak to no one in the defeat to Manchester City in the director's box. He just grabbed a glass of wine and headed to his office. And I bet you he is tempted to go and manage the team. Oli Golasolsha deserves a lot of criticism on a serious note, people. But like I felt under Emery, it's not just the manager. The manager needs to clearly keep it moving. He's not the man for the role, but the players get to hide. And a club like Manchester United, it's a privilege to play for. I know it's not Man United or Ferguson, but it's nothing short of a privilege to play for that club. And some of these players, I don't know. I don't think they know what it means to be, be a Man United player, in my opinion. <clears throat> Looking at that game, though, Manchester United have won eight of their last ten Premier League home games against Norwich. Um, Norwich are looking to win consecutive away games against Manchester United for the first time since August 1987. Um, this obviously means... Oh, sorry, people. Yeah, which obviously, which obviously means the last time they played in 2015, Norwich actually beat Manchester United. Manchester United's last two home games against newly promoted sides has seen them lose 2-0 against Cardiff and draw 2-2 with Aston Villa. They've not failed to win three consecutive home games since February 1990, which is crazy. Norwich have lost 16 of their last 20 Premier League away games since since winning 2-1 against Manchester United in 2015 which is crazy Norwich are the only team yet to recover a single point from a losing position in the Premier League this season losing all 13 games they've gone behind in the Canaries have also dropped 14 points from winning positions with only West Ham dropping more in 15 Man United have lost three of their last five games against teams starting the day in the relegation zone Winning one, drawing one and losing three, including a 2-0 defeat to then bottom Watford in December, well, last month. What Norwich are also winless in eight Premier League games, um, which is quite crazy. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, no, apologies, people, that's, that's an irrelevant stat, I won't mention it. The rest are quite irrelevant stats, so there's no point speaking about it. But hopefully Norwich can do us a favour and get three points just so we can laugh at United. Seventh place, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Welcome 13th place, Newcastle United to Molyneux. Wolves have won just two of their last 11 league meetings with Newcastle, drawing six and losing three. Both of their victories came away from home at Selhurst Park, which doesn't make for good listening if you're a Wolves fan. Matches, are won, matches aren't won on paper, but if paper's anything to go by, then it's a bit bleaky. Newcastle are unbeaten in their last five away games against Wolves in the league, winning two and drawing three. Wolves last lost their last two games. Wolves have lost their last two Premier League games, last losing three in a row back in November 2018. Newcastle are avoiding 
to are, are looking to avoid losing four consecutive games in the league for the first time since May 2018, which is quite scary, people. Wolves have scored the first goal in just six in in just six different Premier League games this season, fewer than any other side. However, they are just one of five teams still unbeaten when opening the scoring this term, winning five and drawing five. And during one of those last six games, apologies, people. I'm quite tired, like you can see. Moving away from that game, I'd back not, I'd back Wolves for the win against Newcastle, but you never know. <clears throat> the big one is obviously sixth place Tottenham Hotspur against Liverpool, who are first. Top six clash. Jose Mourinho's team has been, whether they've won, lost or drawn, the same question marks are there. Liverpool are free-flowing. Can man can can Spurs, especially without Harry Kane now, who's been ruled out until April following surgery on his hamstring, can they get something in that game? I've got a fan who's a friend who supports Spurs. There is his first fan. He think he's never confident about Spurs, but he's actually confident about this game. Um, I wouldn't be because again, games are one are not one on paper. But you I mean you've just got to look at it. Liverpool are playing great, scoring goals. Anything they touch is magic at the moment. They can do no wrong. Several question marks about Spurs um, exaggerated a bit more with Harry Kane's injury now. So they're going to have to really, you know, pull their fingers out and, and band together um, and whatnot. But looking at the statistics, Spurs have won just one of their last 14 Premier League meetings with Liverpool, losing nine and drawing four. They won 4-1 at Wembley in 2017, October of that year. After a run of five consecutive away defeats against Spurs, Liverpool have lost just one of their last six visits to Spurs. Spurs have won six of their last 10 Premier League home games against teams starting the day at the top. Liverpool are unbeaten in eight Premier League home games in London, drawing three and winning five, winning the last three in a row. They've lost, they, they, the last time they <clears throat> went four consecutive ones in a row in London was in 1890, was in 1989. I don't know why I couldn't read that, but yeah. Um, only bottom of the table, Norwich have kept as few clean sheets this season as Spurs, which is two. Meanwhile, Liverpool have scored in 29 consecutive matches. The last team that was able to do that was Manchester United in 2008, which was 36. And if you remember that Man United side, that was quite a decent side, to be fair with you. Um, Liverpool have taken 85 points from a from their last 87 available in the Premier League, winning 28 and drawing one, winning their last 11 matches in a row, scoring 28 goals. So this probably just implies to you Mo Salah, Firmino, Mane and the rest of them are rocking up to White Hart Lane or rocking up to Tottenham to cause nothing but havoc. And hopefully that's the case, people. Um, Jose Mourinho will have to get all his tactics out to prevent such from happening. Speaking of the Spurs manager, he's won just two of his 10 games against Jurgen Klopp in his managerial career, which stays at 20%. Among the 114 managers Jose's faced more than twice, only Ronald Koeman um, does he have a worse win ratio against. Um, in all competitions as well, Spurs have won just two of their last 12 games in which Harry Kane has played no part. And Mane, for me, crowned one and a world in his home continent of Africa um, <clears throat> and is a world-class player. Mane has been involved in 11 goals in his last nine Premier League appearances, assisting five and scoring six. He's only failed to register a goal involvement in one of those nine matches, the 2-1 win against Brighton. <clears throat> and <clears throat> did he <clears throat> did the, did he not hit 
Forgive me if I'm wrong, but did he not hit 30 last season? Mane's a terrific player. So Spurs backs against the Wolves firmly in that game. And last, but not definitely not least, my club, Arsenal. 10th place, Arsenal against 9th place, Crystal Palace. And that tells you, no disrespect to Palace, how poor we've been, people. Like, that they're ahead of us, really and truly. I know technically Arteta's managed an away game in the Premier League, our draw against Bournemouth. But for me, this is our first away game in that. We had not a positive result against Chelsea, but positives to take. Definitely positives from the United game. And I want to see that away from home. Because to be fair, it's um, it's not easy because Arsenal fans are not easy to please. But it's kind of easy when, when your home fans are in front of you. When everybody wants to get behind you away from home, obviously the Arsenal massive will be there and rocking and supporting. But they, these same forces that are encouraging us will be trying to shut us down and i want to see us when the, when when a ground at a small ground like selhurst park when the fans are getting on top of us if there's nervy moments i want to see us be able to deal with the 12th man of crystal palace and 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 keep the same enthusiasm for pressing the tenacity the bravery everything we've showed in our last two games at the emirates and take that on the road because our home form is atrocious and has been atrocious but a big part as to why we're not a top four team as you lot know has obviously been because we are poor for away from home looking at the statistics against arsenal crystal palace are unbeaten in their last three premier league meetings with us they've they've never gone four they've never gone four consecutive league games without defeat arsenal have lost just one of their last 14 away games against crystal palace at selhurst park in 2017 when we got when we got banged 3-0 both Crystal Palace and Arsenal have scored at least twice in each of the last three Premier League meetings between the sides no fixture in the competition has seen both sides score two plus goals in four consecutive games Crystal Palace have won four of their last nine Premier League London derbies losing three and drawing two as many as they did in the previous 28 Arsenal are looking to record consecutive Premier League wins for the first time since winning their final game of the 2018-19 season and obviously the games against Burnley and Newcastle this season. New, sorry, Crystal Palace are the only side yet to score more than twice in a single Premier League game this season. Obviously, you have seen Crystal Palace have a lot of injuries as well. We what they will be without Milinkovic and whatnot. We obviously need to be prepared for what Zaha could bring to us as well. We know what we're going to get with Palace. They showed us in the draw at the Emirates where we dropped points. So we need to really see out leads and things like that. But moving away from that, from an Arsenal perspective, Aubameyang, as you know, one of our only good players this season really, is averaging a goal or assist every 88 minutes in Premier League London derbies. Four assists and 10 goals. He has scored against all five London teams he's faced and he's obviously scored two against Crystal Palace. Um, so that's that for the Premier League. Quickly browsing, browsing over things, people, not to speak about several other things again, but sadly, Mario Balotelli in the game against Lazio in his side's 2-1 defeat. And when they played Brescia versus Lazio, he was again a victim of racism. Um, he opened the scoring on 18 minutes, but the game was stopped after the half hour mark following monkey chants from sections of the 1,000 and a half travelling Lazio fans, which is crazy, people. And... It is what it is. I do think I've heard in Italy some fans have been banned for racism, so maybe there's work to be done. But who knows, man? It's still upsetting nonetheless. Moving away from that, people. Um, and I found this quite interesting, and it might help Belgium in years to come with their coaching stuff. But apparently, 
Belgium's golden generation will take coaching badges while on international duty under a pioneering scheme introduced by the Red Devils. Uh, spoiler, Hazard didn't sign up for it, people. But apparently 19 players, including, including Courtois and Kevin De Bruyne, have signed up to study their UEFA A and B licenses during the time with the national team. Um, Kevin De Bruyne, Jan Vertonghen, Mignolet, Boyata, Thomas Vermaelen, Ritzel and Forgan Hazard have signed up, although his brother Eden hasn't, people, because um, he, he wants to focus on football, allegedly. But um, apparently, the coach said, one of the coaches said, I think Martinez, I gave them each three video clips just 40 seconds long from games Belgium had played two years ago and asked them to identify a problem with the way we played. Then using a PowerPoint about Belgium's coaching methods, they were, they were asked to devise free training activities to solve the problem they've seen in the clip. The players will formally begin their B licence course in March when they join up with the national squad at their training base near Brussels. Van der Hagen believes the international window offers opportunity to study and I must admit that's going to benefit them and I mean I think Kevin De Bruyne is going to be a coach he's he seems like a coach in the way he speaks and how he can, how he carries himself um he's obviously played under Pep Guardiola and he's actively seeking his coaching licenses and whatnot so you can't help but praise him for that people um what else was I going to say? Finally, I was going to leave you with something positive, man. And I mean, it's it's it's, it's lovely to hear this from, from Eric Bailly, man. Like, I'm not going to read out everything. Go on the players' tribute. But I was looking at Eric Bailly. He said five years ago, he was selling phones and cigarettes age 13 on the streets of, of Ivory Coast. And he was a fan. it's a fantastic read about what football can do with you. And then people wonder why he's always smiling. In five years, he's gone from... Being relatively poor, having to sell cigarettes and stuff to, you know, Manchester United, able to nice his family. And he like his his journey of always wanting to be a footballer, his dad not necessarily believing in his potential until like the whole village could see it. Then he went on a he went to play a game in Burkina Faso, gave a very good insight into how amazed he was at the thought of a plane anyways. Um went over to the tournament didn't hear anything and then he heard something from uh, espanol but then something happened and he felt like his dream was done and then he finally got his chance to go to spain and he said how he was going there with no returns of coming back and that he couldn't let people down and he's made it man it was a really really good story and i'd implore you all to go in and listen to it and take it in people but in relation to the podcast there's really not much more to speak about so the bulk of this like you saw was the premier league really and truly um, so hopefully Arsenal can beat Crystal Palace and try and move closer to the top four, even though I don't think it can be done. But on that note, in relation to the podcast, people, as usual, thank you for watching and rocking with me and listening. Check out my YouTube content. Thank you very much. But in relation to this podcast, it's over for today. Thank you for watching and I'm out. DG.